0: Welcome to Combos from the Couch by Lifestance Health, where leading mental health professionals help guide you on your journey to a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, and welcome to The Couch and the Screen by Lifestance Health, where we explore mental health topics related to pop culture and media. I'm Nicolette Lianza, and I'm joined by my co-host, Angel Kramer. Hi, Angel. Hi, and Laura McClure. Hi, Laura. Hello. And our special guest, Micah McGee. Hi, Micah. Hi. And we'll be discussing the second season of American Horror Story Asylum. So let me give a brief season recap. American Horror Story Asylum is set in the 1960s at Ryerson Manor, a Catholic-run asylum in Massachusetts. The season begins with ambitious journalists Lana Winters, played by Sarah Paulson, infiltrating Briarcliff in search of her next big story on the admission of the accused serial killer Kit Walker, also known as Bloody Face, played by Evan Peters. However, we see Lana get unjustly committed to Briarcliff by the ruthless head nun, Sister Jude Martin, played by Jessica Lange. Throughout the season, the patients are subjected to cruel treatments and experimentations by the sadistic Dr. Arthur Arden, Played by James Cromwell, The season is infused with elements of demon possession, alien abductions, and twisted morality as the true nature of evil is uncovered within the walls of Briarcliff. You can find American Horror Story Asylum on FX and streaming on Hulu. So there we go. So let's get started. What did you guys all think of this season of American Horror Story? Michael, start us off. I love this
1: season. I think that So I I remember watching the first season and then going into this one and seeing like how different, and it just seems like there was more elements to this one that the one thing that sticks out to me is that there is, there's just so many things, the aliens, the, we have the Anne Frank character, Dr. Harden being probably a Nazi and Mm. there's just so much stuff going on and there's a serial killer and then there's this and that, and I love that. I, it would get a little bit convoluted. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, what is going on? But in subsequent watches, I was just like, okay, all right, I got this. But I'm a pretty big fan of most of the seasons of American Horror Story. And um, there's some of the newer ones I haven't really gotten to just yet, but Asylum's
2: probably one of my favorites. Angel, I agree. I love the first three seasons of American Horror Story. And of the first three seasons, Asylum is probably my favorite of the three. In my opinion, those are the three best seasons.
0: <laughs>
2: That's just me. I like that it is all over the place. At first, it was weird because you go from watching Murder House, which is pretty straightforward yeah. horror. And then you get to Asylum, and it's almost like reading a comic book where you go from panel to panel, and you're like, wait, did I miss something that... The- they forget to put a page in this comic book because you don't quite know what's happening, and the stories just moving along. I think the only part of asylum that I didn't really enjoy was the alien storyline. Like that part just didn't quite do it for me. I'm not a terribly big fan of alien storylines, though. Gotcha, Laura.
0: I really
3: liked the alien storyline, but that's because I am really intrigued by that, and I think that aliens are real, but we'll put that aside for another day, another topic. <laughs> I really loved this season in particular. I am, with the rest of you guys, I really love those early seasons of American Horror Story. Asylum is one of my top two or three. I really enjoy how they piece together a lot of, kind of like we're all talking about, there's a lot of different moving parts and pieces to it, mm-hmm. but I feel like they took a lot of different things that really were happening. Within that time period, like such as high ranking SS officers, rebuilding a life in America, what are they doing and how are they continuing that work? We also have the Catholic church and their power and the mental illness and sanitarium asylum time period. I feel like they really took a lot of stuff that was happening in that pop culture of that time and put it into this show. I really love this season.
0: I, I like the season as well. I agree lots of twists and turns and lots of moving aspects of things. It's, I would say it's one of my favorites. I, Coven will forever be my my favorite. Um, and when I watch American Horror Story, I didn't watch them in order of how they were. So I jumped around quite a bit. And Asylum, I, I watched actually several years after it had already been out, but I did like it. I did find it pretty gruesome at times and actually just very creepy overall. I am a Catholic (laughs) schoolgirl, so that Catholic element was appealing to me in many different ways and how I viewed some of the nuns in my own elementary school. So maybe not quite as as awful as a (laughs) substitute, but Lily Rob being possessed by the devil and sweet Lily Rob. I just was like, no, she's the devil. So those are my thoughts on it. What did you all think about the portrayal of mental illness, especially because it was set in the 1960s? What we know of? asylums I don't even like using that term but that was the term used in the 60s and previous how do how do you feel like asylum compared to what was actually happening in the 60s in mental institutions Uh, Michael I think
1: that there was a lot of things that the show did of course for um, making it more dramatic and dramatizing things you know there was extra elements but it it seems like a lot of the things that were depicted were not they weren't totally inaccurate, necessarily. I think that the people who were in those, in asylum, that made sense it, it for the time period. We think mm-hmm. about Lana Winters and how she entered into yeah. the asylum and as the way she was treated, like those things were really happening. And I think that a lot of the conditions are pretty accurate from what I have looked at and gone over. The only thing that I think is maybe... I don't know, and and I could be thinking about this weird, but it seemed like almost everybody in there was there for some kind of murder. Yeah. And I was just, I don't feel like that would be the majority of the population in one of those facilities historically, unless it was specific for like maximum security. But I, I think it was interesting because the portrayal of the conditions in the 1960s, like the 1960s is when things started to shift a little bit. But I can see how Briarcliff would have been one of the last things to really change. And, and that's stated in, in the series with uh, Dr. Thredson saying that what they were doing wasn't necessarily the way that we do things now. But I, I think overall, there was a lot of accuracy.
2: Angel, you thoughts? Yeah, I agree. There, unfortunately, there were accuracies in that. And I also think that the show... It's going to be really weird to describe these things in a positive sense. So (laughs) we'll just roll with it. I think the show did a good job in showing that amalgamation of all of our fears of an asylum. It really played on especially the Americanized fear of being locked up, Mm. having our control taken away and not knowing what's happening behind those closed doors. And The show plays on that with all of the tropes, all the cliches, all of the stereotypes of what we think of when we think of that terrible word, asylum. And like Micah was saying, the 60s was a time when all of that was in flux. We had the institutionalization happening with people being taken out of those asylums, rightly or wrongly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we also had the advent of the first gen of antipsychotics which we also see briefly in the show being mentioned with those changes and taking the medication and whatnot um and briarcliff would have theoretically been one of the last holdouts of this kind of institution i agree angel for sure laura
3: I think as far as like the mental health was portrayed, I was impressed with the way they portrayed like the re-experiencing symptoms like with Sister Jude and the flashbacks that she was having Mm -hmm. of the car accidents. Like when she was like pounding the dough, like that noise, how it triggered it. Like I think they did a really good job of how sensory experiences in the present can trigger a flashback when you have PTSD. I also thought it was really neat how they displayed like the psychosis aspect of mental illness again with sister dude when she puts on the the name game song on the oh jukebox. yeah that's
0: right yeah and, and
3: when, acts, like, when the like delusion is over she's really just passed out on top of the jukebox and so i thought that was really interesting way to show what that might actually be like for somebody living with some sort of psychosis or delusions mm-hmm. um i thought it was also really probably very timely and maybe even still a little timely, not as severely, but I'm going to put the Anne Frank story aside, but that woman had come in and instead of like really even assessing her, Dr. Threadgood was like, oh, I've heard enough. She has postpartum depression. And then they're like, oh, a lobotomy will help. Mm -hmm. And it was just, so quick to not even think, which just goes back to the hysterics of women. But I do think that was probably portrayed pretty accurately for that time period.
0: And and I want to piggyback on that. I agree. I, I think, yes, the 60s were trying to maybe move away from it. And as we got into the 70s and 80s and 90s, and even today, it's leaps better But part of it, when I saw it, I was just like, yikes, some of that, it's very dramatized. So not to the extreme that we saw. Part of when I rewatched the season, it made me remember I had come across an old newspaper article And this is an article probably going back to the 70s or 80s that was actually lying the floor of an old house that we had purchased years ago, which makes it just creepy right there. They, for some reason, had paper all over the attic of the house. And I remember picking up, reading it, and it was literally an article from a journalist depicting what one of the state-run hospitals were like. And I remember it, left such an impression because even then I was already an established therapist, but knowing that it wasn't the best. And- it wasn't too far off. That's this is a big, big statement to say from what Briar was like prior to, like we said, a lot more traumatization, But it was not warm and fuzzy for those for the patients or the inhabitants then. And and like Micah said, this is, what was weird is seemed to be all of those who were like who caused who murdered and had crimes and stuff like that. But I my original rewatching was just like, yeah, some of that isn't, I don't think, too far off, but then it takes allegiances to make it more dramatic. But I think what's most interesting of who would get admitted. And then that's was very intriguing me. And I, I believe that anyone who I thought who I would see were different at the time. So we saw Lana get committed for being a lesbian. I think that was pretty Uh, comment. So let's talk about that. How do you feel the show depicts the types of patients who would be admitted to institutions like Briarcliff?
1: Micah? I think it does a pretty good job showing the types of people who would likely be admitted to those institutions, like Lana, being a member of LGBTQ plus Mm -hmm. community. It wasn't until E3 that that was that B, A was even removed from the DSM. And I think it, it shows a lot of actual Things that went on at a time when they were
0: trying to treat the yeah. condition. That, that's um, not cringe, Rosie. To watch doctor with yeah. doctor Thaker trying to convert do conversion yeah. therapy. I was literally cringing at that one.
1: So yeah, that one was rough. Yeah. That was really rough. Yeah. But uh, and I, there was some people who appeared to have intellectual disability, which mm-hmm. I know is pretty common psychotic disorders. One of the ones that I took an interest in that I've recently been looking into is Shelly's character, the nymphomaniac character, because I've looked at that in and its presentation in other types of media and horror, especially that focuses on asylums and, and all of that. And I know that the thing is that with nymphomania, it was people were admitted to institutions for that for surviving rape or sexual abuse or having a child out of wedlock yeah that things like that would be enough for them to put someone in there and so you can really clearly see how not only women but women were really treated very poorly in those situations and were probably put in there just because they weren't compliant right with something
2: exactly angel your thoughts yeah. Just like Micah just said, it's sadly pretty accurate. Anyone who didn't fit into the mold, wasn't compliant, was different, mm-hmm. or they just didn't know what to do with. They're like, let's put you in this asylum behind closed doors, and then we don't right. have to think about you. Right. We'll just put you out of sight, out of mind. And it's unfortunate that those people deemed undesirable and or untreatable, mm-hmm. but let see
0: you later. That makes me think of Pepper, the, the character Pepper, who I think they described her as a, a pinhead because her head was a bit smaller. Perfect example, just because she looked different. And I think she even says that she the murder of that had happened got pinned on her because of what she looked like and stuff. So I think you bring up a good point with that, Angel, for sure.
2: Pepper was one of my favorites. Yeah.
0: I love
3: Pepper. I love Pepper and I loved when Pepper showed back up in what was it? Freak guest? show? Oh,
1: freak show show. show. yeah Yeah.
3: that made me so happy i don't really have much to add here other than i agree but i would say that i feel like it was heavy on violent Mm -hmm. offenders and i feel like i'm not really sure how much like the significantly like the guy who went on a killing spree and killed 18 people i'm not sure anybody would ever have put somebody at that
0: level of violence mm. in point. Place
3: point. with such yeah. vulnerable people but again it was the 60s so that would be my only like thing that I was like I'm not really sure how legit that would be good
0: point what about some of the the portrayals of the treatments they use shock treatments the lobotomies even the hydrotherapy what were you guys thoughts on that my
1: from it's my understanding that all of those were quite accurate for things that they they actually tried to do or did or thought would be a treatment um, and i know with electroshock treatment they electroconvulsive therapy as it's now called is something mm-hmm. that is still done very rarely but it's done very differently is my understanding i haven't interacted with someone who's had it and they were sedated for the procedure it, it didn't end up helping this person but i know that back When they were doing it initially, these people weren't necessarily full people to them. They cared a whole lot about the discomfort in those situations, including like the hydrotherapy and extreme temperatures. Now the lobotomies though. The lobotomies, I, I recently learned a lot about the the history of those and, and the individuals that developed the transorbital lobotomy were really shady and did not report all of the outcomes of their procedure. Mm. And so I think that the way that they depict these things is... Accurate, unfortunately, because it's all terrible and now not appropriate treatment. And, and even with the uh, aversion therapy type, like yeah. we were talking
0: about, yeah. yeah,
1: like that was real. Like they would induce vomiting in people yeah. were to get and try to aversion, and right. it's unfortunately accurate. Yeah,
0: unfortunately, Angel, your thoughts? Yeah,
2: absolutely accurate. So, I would point out. Just like to point out some of the things that were sadly very accurate. Mm-hmm. How quickly the turnaround was between Dr. Arden deciding that Anne Frank's character could benefit from a lobotomy and actually doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes
2: they really did happen that fast. I'm gonna see you this morning, this afternoon. I can squeeze you in. Let's do this. <laughs> Dang. Uh, Dang. Uh, Dang, right. The only thing that I wish the show would have shown differently is the outcome of said so there is a possibility that she could have become more compliant, but being that sunny disposition, evidence doesn't support that kind of success rate with the lobotomy, mm-hmm. but they were absolutely done to get, yeah. be, be more compliant, whether it was an unruly child or someone not being the appropriate kind of housewife or whatever the case may be. And with the, the hydrotherapy. Once again, that, that was done for compliance. You're behaving in a way we don't want you to. Let's throw in some really cold water and let's see how you respond to that. And surprise, people calm down. <laughs> because they were in shock. Right, Their point. <laughs> out of the bathtub. I would have calmed down to get out of the bathtub. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> get me out. And hydrotherapy is something that when done correctly, there are benefits to being in water. And it's one of the oldest therapies we have for humankind is some kind of water care.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: But then we use it to this extreme. You're not behaving appropriately. Let's go throw you in a pan. Yeah, it's, it's a
0: punishment, right?
2: right? Mm-hmm. And then we have the electroconvulsive therapy. And it was probably actually more violent than was shown in the episodes people wow. were known to break their backs and break wow. other parts of their body and have fractures and wounds because they weren't sedated they weren't even necessarily wow. held down appropriately and that's another one that's been around for quite some time there's evidence that emperor claudius in the first century ce had some level of electroconvulsive therapy using electric eels
3: mm-hmm. um,
2: unfortunately these things aren't new and some of them are still around on some level yeah with better practices right otherwise.
0: Oh, thank you angel laura yeah
3: i would say that not only did i feel like they did a good job portraying like what the mental health treatments back in that time period looked like i also think the idea of like bear the rod, spoil the child and kind of looking at those aspects as far as like how we raise children. I thought that was really accurately portrayed there as well. I actually want to talk more about like the Dr. Arden treatments because I felt like, again, that's real. And it was funny that he was mixing the tuberculosis and the syphilis because that reminds me of like the Tuskegee experiments where we were purposely injecting African-Americans and people of color with syphilis in the name of scientific research. So those are things that were being done. And whether it's true that it was being done at an an asylum or some sort of mental health facility, I think history has shown us in every area that power and control is really seen with our most vulnerable people. And that's where Mm -hmm. you can hide and do that kind of stuff in plain sight. So I think even having it mixed in with the assignment was probably pretty accurate as well.
0: I agree. To piggyback to the Dr. Arden, I, I actually didn't understand what he was trying to do because like, there's those people in the woods that they were, I, I don't, I actually didn't understand what he was trying to do. Trying to create
3: a super form of humans that would survive an atomic blast during the cold war
0: i missed that oh you Mm -hmm. guys i totally missed that so that's what he was trying to do okay it was only briefly mentioned i think it was yeah but i do agree that i'm i we know experiments were being done for sure and i do agree a lot of those the treatments were we done on people like that and like nowadays thank god we definitely there might be some aspects of of these types of therapies but they're very much more humane and done more appropriately and professionally and things like that i and I one other thing the hydrotherapy part of dumping in the bath and then cranking up the, the heat of it i actually had to look that up a little bit more because i wasn't so familiar with that and like i mentioned it sounds like that was what they in asylum, they were using it as like a form of punishment, but I actually go had to go and look that up of, was that a thing and why would they crank it up? What was the benefits? But I agree with Angel, water can be very healing. And I think it done well being contained, almost like a womb and not being bored alive, obviously, but there could be some containment and helping soothe and things like that.
2: Very interesting. I'd also like to add, their depiction of mental health being related to demon possession there's very intense scenes depicted in the show regarding possession and exorcism and it's pretty unfortunate and sad how often that really did take place the situation where you have some kind of moral deficiency you've done something bad now you're behaving poorly obviously there's a demon in you let's get that sucker out and just the act of an exorcism and all the steps involved so traumatic so dangerous Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and unfortunately quite a few of them were pretty deadly and people didn't always survive those people in that situation were abused and tormented not necessarily from a demon, but from the act itself of being exercised. And I think the show really was on point with their depiction of that. And sadly, that's still around. Yeah, It's very interesting to learn about and read about. I'm very interested in the intersection between spirituality and mental health and our experience being alive. There are some interesting books about it one of them is by scott peck i'll just do a little plug in here if anyone wants to learn anything more about it book is called glimpses of the devil and it actually discusses a i don't remember if he was a psychologist or psychiatrist a mental health professional's experience with potential demon possession and how they handled it um and from reading that Show was pretty on point depicting that demon possession and what we thought of it.
1: And I just wanted to add, just looking back at what was previously mentioned about Dr. Arden and being an SS doctor and SS soldiers and things like that. I think that it was interesting how they integrated him into it because those things really did happen. They, they did retreat over here to right. the U.S. side right. and the New lives and and with his character, it makes sense. I have, of course I have no idea if this specifically ever happened, but it makes sense that he would then step into the role that he did and experiment on people because that literally happened with right. SS do- in the Holocaust, and they used the most vulnerable people that they could to test these things on, just like they do in American Horror Story Asylum. Is he was just using the vulnerable people who didn't have family yeah. who. Don't- this and just people who were considered like quote unquote undesirable or could not contribute in some way. So I just found that interesting how they made those connections with reality. Yeah. Um, like things.
0: I, I think just a scary point to this conversation today about the accuracy of asylum in the 60s and what we're all collectively saying is that. Yeah, there's some embellishments and some dramatism to it, but yeah, a lot of it was accurate, which is terrifying to think. Ooh, makes me cringe right there to think of the, a lot of the accurate portrayals of how we treated those who were seen as different. You know? So I thank you all for this wonderful conversation. I always look forward to, Micah, whenever you're on, you definitely add a piece of, I just stringing up more of the horror part of things. So I'm sure you'll be back on an episode in the future soon. So thank you all again. You. For our next episode, we'll be covering the Netflix show stats. I also want to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Clayton, Juliana Whitten, and Chris Kelman. Special thanks to Jason Clayton, who edits our episodes. Take care. Everyone. <music>